Morning, all. Great to be with you all here this morning on this beautiful day. As that video said, we're in this series, Jason mentioned it, on our core beliefs. Not just our core beliefs, but Christians' core beliefs. What does the Bible say? What is the essence of the Christian faith? How is our theology to be lived out, a lived theology? We've been talking for four weeks now, and this morning, as Jason mentioned, we're going to talk about the justification by faith, pretty central topic in the scriptures. And I would say this, of all the ways that the Bible talks about, all the terms used in the New Testament to talk about the work of the gospel, and there are many through the New Testament, right? Because the gospel is so rich, it's so broad, right? There's words like redemption, words like reconciliation, words like adoption, right? That goes on. But of all the terms that are used, this word, justification, is kind of an odd word at first. What does it mean? But justification is the greatest of these words. Now, it's borrowed, the term justification, as you could guess by just hearing that word, from the legal system. Right? There is a legal aspect. Right? There was God as the, let's say, the world, the ultimate judge of all people, of all things. There's a legal system, and it's almost as if when we think about justification by faith, what does it mean to be justified right, before God, by God? It's almost as if you get a declaration. That's the way we think of it. It's a declaration, as if a judge was saying, you know, making a, a you know, you are at the end of this trial, you are guilty as charged. Right? That's a, a judge would make that. You a bench, a bench warrant, you know, a bench trial. The judge is going to make the decision. Or you are innocent of this crime. And when we're talking about the gospel, the term borrowed from the legal system, but becoming a, a central, we'll see this in the Bible, a theological term used many times in the Bible, right? It's talking about, you might say, in the context of the scriptures, in the context of the gospel, it's sort of the opposite of another word used in the Bible, condemnation. Hey, Romans 8, 1. You know, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's a big word. It's a declaration that brings believers into a whole new standing with God. Sometimes uh, theologies will say this. It's, it's, it's the act, justification by faith, by which God moves a believer, you or me, moves a believer from a state of sin, we talked about that, right, last week, a state of sin to a state of grace, okay, it's an action that God does and then he declares it. It's something that was not true of you, right, before the declaration came, but when it's declared true, it changes everything in your life. You don't see it coming, in a manner of speaking, right? It's like you almost expect it as you're sitting in that trial for the judge to say, guilty, condemned. You don't see it coming, and it's something that you didn't earn, okay? Justification by faith. This is a small example, but I can remember one example that made me think of this. I was a grad student struggling grad student, you know, more for money, I think, than anything, academics too, but it was just, you know, every semester was, are you going to make it, you know? And um, I get a phone call from a, from a lawyer in um, Rochester, New York. I was in Dallas, Texas, and they said, hey, are you Rob Catalani? Yes, well, I want to let you know so-and-so passed away 
this old neighbor of mine. I was in a, an apartment when I was a college student. This, this um, woman, uh, an old widow that was my neighbor, so-and-so passed away, and uh, she left you thousands of dollars in her will, okay? It was, it was certainly a phone call I wasn't expecting to get, and it was very, very good news. This new standing, okay? It's the way the, the, the theologians talk about it, justification. This new standing that you have, moved from a state of sin to a state of grace because of a declaration that God makes, is not something done, listen carefully, by us. This is so important because people are trying to, self, to justify their life uh, uh, it's, it's, it's all the time. It's not something done by us, but for us in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And let me say this too. This idea of justification by faith, as the Bible talks about it, it does include the forgiveness of sin. Very, very important. But it's so much more. Because you could say, well, Rob, why do you say, why do theologians say that of all these great metaphors, of all these great ideas, redemption, you know, and, and reconciliation, adoption, right? That's a great metaphor as well. Why is justification, is, is, is it a great one? Is it bigger? Why does it get more pressed when we're talking about the theology of the New Testament? It does because although it includes forgiveness, it includes it, justification by faith. It's part of it. God cannot move me from a state of sin to a state of grace if my sin isn't forgiven. But even the forgiveness of sin, as great as that is, I'm so grateful that my sin has been forgiven because I could never get way, I could never find my way out of it. I could never work my way past it. I could never overcome my guilt. It has to just be forgiven. But even forgiveness, in a sense, is sort of a negative. It's an erasing of the board. It's a release of something. But justification is so much more than forgiveness. One writer said this way, um, said about this justification, the voice of forgiveness says, you may go. You have been released from the penalty of your sin. But the voice of justification says, you may come. You are welcome to all my love in my presence. The voice of forgiveness, we need it. It's central. You may go. You've been released of the penalty of your sin. Wow. But the voice of justification says, now you may come into the presence of God. I don't know how many, if you've been following all the press coming into the Super Bowl, okay, it's today, of course, and um, the story of Eric Weddle. Okay, what a great story. Here's this guy who's had a, has had a very successful professional career, 15, 13 years in the NFL, but two years ago he, re he, he retired. Okay, he's mid-30s, he retires. And for the last two years, as the story goes, I just caught it in the paper, he's coaching 12-year-olds in the Pop Warner football in San Diego. That's what he's doing, until he gets a call a month ago from the defensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Rams, who a month ago weren't in the Super Bowl, but sort of on their way, and said, listen, Eric, we had a bunch of injuries in your position of safety. You know, I don't know how, if you've been doing your sit-ups and your push-ups, but, you know, can you help us out? Okay? Eric, you may come, right, from coaching 12-year-olds to playing in the Super Bowl. Okay? As it turns out, he, he played 19 snaps, I think, and, uh, in, uh, in, uh, against the Arizona Cardinals. They won two more games after that. He's the leading tackler going into the Super Bowl. Eric Weddle, you may come. 
This is what justification by faith means times a thousand for you and me. You may come into the very presence of God because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Here's our article. We've been looking at our articles. What does it say? We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures as a representative and substitutionary sacrifice and that all who believe, okay, you do have a role, I have a role, Christian and non-Christian. We all who believe in him are justified, right? Declared righteous on the ground of his shed blood, okay? Justified. Okay, so three things I want to say in the brief time I have left. Justification by faith. Number one, the source of justification. Two, the basis of justification. And third, the means. Source, basis, means. Just one passage this morning, for the most part. Romans 3. So much here. I'm not going to give you a, you know, a, a, a semester of Sundays, but you could in this short passage. 21 to 26. Listen carefully. The Apostle Paul, a turning point in the great book of Romans. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. This central truth, justification by faith, that God declares you righteous, he moves you from a state of sin, a state of sin, we talked about that. It's not you did a few wrong things and you, you know, there's a check mark. You and I are born, right? So we talked about last week. You were born in a manner of speaking in a state of sin. And Adam all sinned, right? It's touched every area of our lives and moves you by declaration into a state of grace, okay? This central truth highlights really one of the great differences between Christianity and all other, let's call it world religions, that believe that God is upset with human beings and he needs to be appeased, okay? This is really, this is what all other world religions believe and we'll even see it sneak into Christianity. Listen, God is angry with you, right? The gods are angry. God is angry. He's in a state of anger against you and his anger needs to be assuaged. His anger needs to be satisfied. His anger needs to be, you know, appeased, And if you think about that idea, 
whether it's Christian, whether it's in the context of a religion or even a non-religion, sort of a, 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 you know, just a secular point of view. In either case, it's sort of wired in in human nature. We are wired, I would suggest to you, that outside of a work of the gospel, your whole life, my whole life, becomes, whether it's through my faith or outside of my faith, an act of self justification that's what people have been doing for all time it's wired in us we wake up thinking how do i justify my existence whether that means having to please god to earn his favor if you grew up in a in a in a religious household right we just apply this to our faith or a christian or how we're going to please people to earn their favor okay now let me say this for a minute about Christianity, about this passage. You might say, well, you're saying, Rob, that what differentiates the Christian gospel from a lot of other world religions or even, even let's call it, you know, you know, popular imagination, people who don't even have a faith, that they're trying to self-justify themselves, and they wake up thinking this, whether they have an informed view of God or just sort of this nebulous view of God, that I need, to, I, I need to justify my existence. I need to appease. I need to satisfy the demands of God. But Christianity is different. It is, but for a minute, I only have a minute in this passage, how is it different? Listen, God of the scriptures of the Bible, or the God of the Bible, he is a holy God. Don't miss that. He's a holy God. And God, as his great holiness, we just sang about it, is offended by human sin. We talked about this, I think, when we opened this passage, we look at Isaiah chapter 6, right? You know, he's shaking in his boots, and, and, you know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. That's Bible's way of saying, I can't be in the presence of God because his holiness is, 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 is making an impact on my life. It's, it's crushing me. The Apostle John Roman, in, in Revelation chapter four, Revelation chapter three, he comes into the presence of God and says, he falls down like a dead man. So God is holy, the God of scriptures, and God's holiness is offended by human sin. But the difference, it's a huge difference, is the person who takes action to satisfy the justice of God, to satisfy and appease the wrath of God is not you, it's not me. God's not asking me for a pound of flesh. God's not asking me, even in the context of Christianity, get your act together, you know, start doing a better job at the Ten Commandments. God's not asking me to satisfy his justice. God satisfies his own justice through himself, verse 25. God presented Christ as a sacrifice for atonement through the shedding of his blood. This is what justification is. God says, listen, there is a real problem. And that problem is that Rob Catalani and every other person that's ever lived is a sinner before me, and although he or she might be better than he or she that's walking around, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And when you come into the presence of God, none of us, all of us fall short. And there is an offense because God is holy. But God said, listen, I'm going to solve this problem the only way it can be solved. I'm going to satisfy my own justice through the sending of 
my son. This is the beauty of it. God presented Christ as a sacrifice for atonement. Older translations will say propitiation. It's an, even, it's an even more complicated word, but it basically means the same thing. It's, a, it's an even, it's an even more, more sophisticated way or a more theological way or, a, or an old school way of saying, listen, God's wrath needs to be satisfied. Okay, propitiation. But you know what's interesting? Not only is it satisfied, does God do it, but here's another heresy that's talked about in, in the history of the Christian faith, that Jesus Christ was sort of like this, this hero, and see, God is up there. God, I'm talking about God the Father. And he is holy. We've talked about that before. The scriptures, uh, it's replete that God is holy. It says, in, in, I think it's in 1 Timothy, it says he's, it's like he's, uh, um, he's in an inapproachable, uh, you know, in, in the sense of, you know, uh, it, it, to, to come to God, it's unbelievable, the, to the holiness of God. But Jesus Christ, you know, comes into the world. And he kind of makes his case for God. He prevails on God to say, Father, give me a shot at this. I think I can. I know you're angry with people, but give me an opportunity. Help, allow me to step into the gap and convince you and satisfy your anger. Okay? But that's not at all what the Bible says. The source of justification, as I said, is the love of of God. The great um, theologian John Stott says it this way. God does not love us because Christ died for us. Christ died for us because God loves us. It's very important you get that. Does sin offend God? Absolutely. But the whole idea of justification by faith, salvation, it was his idea. God does not love us because Christ died for us. Christ died for us because God loved us. Listen, God is not simply calling you up and me up if you believe to heaven to play a big game. He's calling you. He's declaring you his son and his daughter and he's prepared for you a place to live forever. Listen, if you miss this, God is the source. The love of God is the source of justification, you miss the very heart of the whole Christian life. This is the whole heart of the Christian life, that God loves you. He knows everything about you. He sees your sin in a way that you don't even see your sin. You know, you get older and you, you know, from, from 10 to 20 to 20 to 40, 40 you know, you get and you, and you see things about yourself that are in your heart, envy, greed, lust, whatever it is, and you say, I never even saw that judgment. Listen, God saw all of that from the beginning. And he sees right through, and he loves you. Christ died for you because God loved you. He presented him as a sacrifice of atonement because he loves you. A good scriptural theology, listen carefully, doesn't just define who God is and what God has done. It defines who you are. You are forgiven. You are accepted. You are loved. You don't need to spend your whole life justifying yourself to God and to others. All right? That's the point. I was watching, as I was watching some, really reading more than watching the Olympics, I saw an article 
said this. The title of the article just caught my eye. Nathan Chen is winning by not trying so hard to win. I didn't even know the name Nathan Chen. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a figure skater. Nathan Chen is winning by not trying so hard to win. So they got my interest. So this is what the article said before he went and won the gold, which he did a couple days ago. That Nathan Chen, what made the article was this, that he apparently was the favorite in the 2018 Olympics. He was an 18-year-old kid. And, he, and all the, you know, the, the, the products, the, 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 uh, you know, the, the promotion was around him. He was the big winner. But it said he got so caught up in his head that when it came time to, uh, I didn't see, I don't remember this, but the 2018 Olympics, he, he failed. It crushed him. But since then, that's what the article said, he's learned that to win by not trying so hard. He got a life. That's what the article said. You know, he's, he's a student at Yale and he, he, he plays the guitar and he teaches kids the guitar and he got some friends for the, the article saying, listen, he realized that there was more to life than skating. And when he realized there was more to life than skating, he didn't have to justify his existence by skating. He became a better skater after he won the Olympics. Now I'm paying attention. The, article's, the title of the article said this, how Nathan Chen won golden men's figure skating. Quote from the article. There was a sense of departure, of escape, in the songs that Chen chose for his free skate. I didn't see it, but Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and Rocket Man. On Thursday, it was his former skating self that Chen left behind. As it turns out, his former skating self was his only real opponent. Okay? When it comes to the freedom of the gospel, the same is true for you and the same is true for me. Listen, if you're a Christian, listen carefully. Students, everybody. You do not need to search your whole life for identity. You don't need to search your whole life for meaning. You don't need to justify your existence. You don't need to search for your purpose because you've been given these things in Jesus Christ. You are completely freed should be completely freed from having to prove your worth, from being addicted to people's acclaim, from letting your accomplishments have to define you, to needing to hide your weaknesses or to deny your failures. You are loved. You are accepted in Christ. You are greatly, greatly loved. The basis, or excuse me, the source of justification is the love of God. Second, the basis of justification, the heart of this whole passage, is the cross of Jesus Christ, okay? There is no more important doctrine in all the New Testament than the sacrificial, substitutionary, verse 25, um, sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's the heart of the gospel. But, let me say this very quickly. If you truly want to see it, you need to see it through the lens of the Old Testament sacrificial system. Don't forget that Jesus' Bible was the 39 books of the Old Testament. Listen, the Bible of the church for 100 years, a couple hundred years, as, it, as the New Testament was being put together, was the Old Testament. And it's two-thirds of your Bible. And if you really want to understand justification by faith or the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus, the vicarious suffering of Christ is a lot of ways of saying, if you really want to understand it, you need to see it through 
the lens of the Old Testament sacrificial system, which was one of repeated daily sacrifices where animals never stopped dying and blood never stopped flowing. Okay, just as an example of, of your Old Testament. There is more pages, more press given to the sacrificial system. Now I'm talking about, in, in essence, the book of Leviticus, 27 chapters of details, right? Of this uh, thing called the sacrificial system. There is more t- attention given to it than there is to the creation of the world than there is to the Noah's Ark and all that jazz and several chapters in Genesis, than there is to the building of the fancy tabernacle, which takes up, wait for it, seven chapters. If you're reading with 365, we're gonna begin Exodus in just a week from now. Seven whole chapters that you, you, some of you skip over, right? You know, and this and that and this and that and the pole and this and the, le- and the linen. Seven chapters given to the house of worship There's 27 chapters given to the sacrificial system. The book of Leviticus begins, just tries to answer this great question after the the superstructure building of the tabernacle outlined in the end of the book of Exodus. How can a holy God dwell with a sinful people? How does this work? That's the big question. And the central idea in the book of Leviticus, which we'll read in another couple months, is atonement. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. You can snap a line, the great day of atonement, the heart of the book of Leviticus, it's all about atonement. Snap a line from the book of Leviticus to the Last Supper of Jesus which points to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, okay? That's what it's all about. And when Paul says, but now, right? But now, apart from the righteousness of God, he's getting his place in Rome saying, listen, everything has changed. Because everything that God has been talking about, all that's been building up from the beginning of the, of the, of the scriptures, it has now come to a head. Ato- the word atonement actually means to cover, right? It's a covering of your sin. It was temporary. That's why they had to come back and do sacrifices. Every time you sinned, you come back, you come back. Another sacrifice. The place was a bloody mess, right? It was the worship system of Israel. The animals kept dying, the blood kept flowing because it happened again and again and again because your sin's only covered for a period of time. But when Jesus Christ came, John says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, okay? Takes away the sin of the world. God demonstrated his righteousness At the present time, so as to be, well, I mean, I read verse, end of verse 20. Demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, this is verse 25, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. There's a whole sermon here. Let me give it to you in 30 seconds. The reason he talks about God demonstrating his righteousness here three times, he's, he's responding to a criticism. Here's the criticism. 
How can all of you say, Jesus, is the, Jesus finally solved the problem. We just need to believe in Jesus and our sins will be forgiven. What about all the people that lived before Jesus was ever here? That's what Paul's answering. Here's what he says. Listen very carefully. Through the shedding of his blood to be received by... He did this, God, to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. What's beforehand? All the way for the last, till the, from the Garden of Eden till the tomb. He left the, so that's what they were, that's what they were saying. We, 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 we found you out, Paul. Your theology doesn't make any sense. What about all those people that lived? And Paul's answering, saying, listen, in his forbearance, God did not judge that sin, but to demonstrate his righteousness in the present time. Guess what he's doing? God didn't just look the other way in the sins of humanity for thousands of years. God doesn't live in time. He lives outside of time. He stored up those sins, right? In the present time, and he released them all, not just the sins of the past. Wait for it. The sins all the way into the future, including your and mine before we were ever born. And he released them. He poured them out on the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says right here. The basis of our justification is the cross of Jesus Christ. And you need to let that powerful truth sink into your heart if you really want it to change you. Last, the means of justification is our faith. Three times in this little passage, right? 21 to 26. This righteousness, verse 22, is given through faith. How do I get a hold of it? Verse uh, 25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith, right? Even our article, you have to believe it. You have to come to terms to believe this absolutely amazing, over-the-top thing that's, that's beyond our imagination if it wasn't for the revelation of the Holy Spirit of God that says, listen, yes, you wake up every day wanting to justify yourself, but you'll never get there. It's a losing strategy. And if you try to, to you know, um, do what Nathan Chen did in your relationship with God, let me tell you something. Instead of bringing peace and victory, it'll bring personal chaos and self-defeat. Because you cannot, there's nothing in this world, there's nothing in you that can satisfy the justice of God. But if you have eyes to see it, to receive it by faith, it can change your life. Amen? I'm gonna pray with us. We're not done with this sermon. I wanna pray for anyone here in this room listening to me. Pray with you. If you've never received, it's not my word, it's his word. If you've never received, it's a gift. You don't earn, you can't justify yourself. But if you've never received the grace, freely justified by his grace, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We just read it. Freely justified, you need to receive it. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. At home too, if God is leading you. Guys, it's very, very simple. The hard work is done. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, Romans 10, 9, and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, we can be saved. This is how amazing it is. That's why it's called good news. So if you've never done that, all you need to do, right in the quiet of your own seat or home, 
is simply pray the prayer that I prayed that many have prayed in your own words. God, thank you for sending Jesus into this world to be a sacrifice of atonement for my sin. And I pray that you would forgive me of my sin and justify me. Call me up in a manner of speaking into your presence because of what Jesus has done. I receive this gift. I believe and I thank you. Lord, I pray you'd hear these prayers of friends in this room at home and you would do what only you can do is answer them by the sending of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me say two things. Number one, even as Adele talked about, you know, uh, the experience of growing as a Christian, right? If you just became a Christian, that's how you become a Christian, by receiving Christ by faith, by receiving this gift by faith. Listen, it's the very, 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 very end of the beginning. There's so much more. We want to help you. So if you do this, either at home or here, just text Jesus. Your, your name's not going to appear on a list. You're not going to be, you know, your, your face isn't going to be. We're not going to share your phone number. We're going to get back to you with some information to help you take a next step. But let me say this. Last thought here. This justification, the means of justification is our faith. It's for Christians too. The last time he mentions it in the verse 26th verse. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. See? It's for you and me as well. No matter how long you've known the Lord, you need to have your thinking, your values, your behaviors regularly recalibrated. Right? Back to what the gospel is all about. The radical, regularly recalibrated by a radical view of life that comes through this gospel truth. This is why discipleship is so important. It's why we've got to keep working this gospel truth deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into our hearts. Right? The source of justification is the love of God. Right? It's the heart. The basis is the cross and the means is our faith. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We love you. I pray for all of us uh, here in this room, even listening today. Lord, help us. Maybe if, we're, if we've never received Christ, may, that be our, may we mark this day as the, as the beginning of our life in Christ if we've received you. Help us, Lord, to see, Lord, that you have not only forgiven us of our sin in Jesus, but you've called us up to a whole new way of life and empowered us to live in your presence in this life and in the next. Help us to know that, Lord. And Father, I pray, even for those of us here who've been Christians for some time, who live every day in a world whose messaging is about justifying our own existence, justifying our own space, having to prove ourselves. Lord, help us to, to recalibrate our hearts to reset our values into this radical view of what it means.
to live out of your love, to live out of your grace um, in our daily lives. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Watch this brief video. Have a great Sunday.